welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and this is the final episode of 2022. We're welcoming back our good friend, Connor McGillie from Inside Up Games, the publisher of Earth, Block and Key, Summit, and many, many more. Connor, welcome back to the binge. How you doing, sir? Hey, James. Good. Uh, thanks for having me back. Hey, no problem. You know, it, it was it was uh, an obvious choice uh, for the end of the year uh, episode to, to have you. We always have great conversations on and off air. Uh, so I thought we can get into some of the stuff that's going on in the industry. Uh, but first and foremost, I just want to say again, last time we talked, uh, you had you were just in the heat, I think, of doing uh, Earth. And, uh, and, and now we're, we're past that. I think, uh, the Kickstarter yeah. sub hit like 731,000, I think on Kickstarter, obviously yeah. late pledges and things like that probably pushed much further than that. Uh, man, that, that's gotta be just uh, a great feeling for you. It's, it's been a crazy, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of years. Um, I was like a couple others, I believe, uh, 2018 or whenever it even was now, 2019 pre pandemic, yeah. I had lined stuff up and, uh, I like, okay, my, I missed windows by just a little bit, just from bad luck. And I was like, okay, going into 2020, I've timed everything perfectly. This is going to be the make or break year for us. We're going to do this. And then things shut down. Uh, and it was re- a little rough in there. Um, but then we had block and key hit Kickstarter, uh, and that did well enough for me to think, okay. You know, maybe maybe we're gonna maybe we can make this work and I had enough irons in the fire to kind of keep things going um and then yeah earth hurt earlier this year was there was there a moment of, of doubt there for you then so oh, before blocking key were you like uh this is it like I'm either oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I hang up the gloves if this isn't working or yeah like it's been so I as we probably talked about in previous um discussions I used to run a construction company yeah um and then so it's just been a couple you know four or five years of just you know tightening the belt and tightening the belt and I ran out of belt holes so I started to punch in more and just get that bite belt tighter I got to the point uh pre-block and key where I was literally like I don't know like I just I've been putting my family through this I'm the primary breadwinner and it's just like it's hard like it's very hard luckily we're in a, an expensive city in northern Ontario but yeah. still uh, for there was for sure me looking in the classified ads being like no I don't think I don't think I, I don't think I'm making enough waves uh and then block and key kind of gave me that little bit of a glimpse to the horizon of like oh like maybe maybe i made enough of a wave enough of a name like just trying to be good trying to be transparent trying to be honest trying to give good deals to my backers trying to be supportive and open and transparent um and yeah so that but there for there was uh, 110 big moments of doubt prior to that um and that 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 helped bridge the gap and like i say i already had irons in the fire i had my own designs going i had signed other um designers works to be published so like i had commitments that i had to honor anyways yeah um and i can't even remember the timing anymore it's been such a blur but earth was <laughs> uh, probably already um locked and loaded in development at that time and i and i knew like uh, maxim the designer and i we were both well aware that earth was, was going to be big we did not expect it to do uh to be as big as a kickstarter because people didn't know it yeah. but having played the game many many times and falling in love with it um, we knew it was going to be big. So our expectation was to have like a small Kickstarter, like, like most of mine, they'd overfund by a little bit, yeah. nothing crazy, no CMON Kickstarters, but uh, we would we'd overfund, we'd make the game, we'd get it out. And then once people started playing it, then we were confident we'd sell that first print run out, make a small print run, have a, kick, a second Kickstarter for the reprint. And that would have been the big explosion. Yeah. But we cut a year and a half off that timeline by just exploding out of the gate. So um, again, by good and bad luck throughout the pandemic with the rise of digital 
um, board games. So yeah. uh, TTS and Tabletopia and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yes, they were a thing before, but they definitely, from a publisher's point of view, they grew tremendously during that time period, as a lot of our game designs and testing and development was done, were done on those platforms. So leading into that, we had issues getting our European copy to uh, certain localization partners. It was being held up in customs because they always do it to me only when it matters. When I have yeah. tons of time, it's never, <laughs> it just slides through. But as soon as I need it somewhere, it gets stopped in customs. Um, but anyways, because of that, I reached out to uh, Ken, who uh, runs Coded Cardboard, who does our scripted TTS mods for us, all of them for us. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, and he's fantastic. So I reached out to him, did the rundown, and he created the uh, TTS mod of Earth, scripted to make it really easy for us to play. And as I'm sure you've played it, one of the beautiful things about Earth is it plays quickly and it's very, very fulfilling. Like you just, it's an enjoyable process, win or lose. Um, and it's just, it's a great game. So people were able to play it during the campaign, up leading up to campaign, after the campaign. And it just grew this grassroots hype and excitement around the game. And that hype, as you know, starts the whole hype train going and then localization yeah. partners get in. And then once they loved it, then they started telling all their localization partners. It's just one of these things where like, you know, the fire just spread. Yeah. really wildly and it was really yeah, it was really good for us and that would have that was i can remember february march of this year yeah. and so a few did... things just unpack in there so i wanted let me yeah. jump in because you got i know you got a lot but let me jump in there so first of all block and key i'm gonna go right back to the right. block and yeah, key. Yeah, yeah i backed that game i got my copy uh i absolutely love that game that game is phenomenal and yeah. uh, congrats David, David to you Van on Jordan. that a What's Southern that? Ontarian, a David Van Drunen, also from Southern Ontario. Yeah. Uh, he's a phenomenal, sweetheart of a guy. He had actually pitched me a game, um, the breakout prior to the origins. So this is maybe 2018. I can't remember, 2018, maybe? Yeah. Uh, he pitched me a game and it, uh, I took it back to Thunder Bay, ran it through my testers, didn't go over well, sent it back to him and kind of thought like, well, I, I'd be surprised if I see him again. Like, I, Maybe I've heard his feelings by turning his game down. And that's all I thought. <laughs> At that origins, I think, I believe I was the first person he came and saw when he showed me block and key. At the time, it was called Martian Metropolis. Mm. Uh, and he came by and he set up and he had, he had built the, the box, like the two, the two standing box at that yep. time on his own. He had 3D printed all the blocks. And he sat down, he explained it, and he set it up. And the first 30 seconds of my brain latched on. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sign this game. Yeah, like this is this is right up my alley. Like I love yeah. it. Uh, and he, yeah, he, so he, with the game design, he did such a good job. And then working with Edu Valls, the uh, illustrator, and then really trying to combine the, that world and then utilizing the box, the sports, putting all the rules on there. So it, it, it works. It's, yeah. It's super I'm cool. very proud. For, for people, yeah. For people that don't know the game, it's like a, almost like a three-dimensional Tetris, right? And, and when you're scoring, you're scoring based on your 2D view of that board but it's different for the persons that are looking from other angles uh, on the other side of the table. Um, I have that in my game bag, no joke. Every single week, uh, I go to a game night uh, just north, uh, south of me here in, uh, in Newmarket. And um, our, our, our meetup is open to the public. It's through meetup.com. You know, anybody can come. And there's always different levels of skills, right? And people that are newer to the industry and people who've been in the industry for a while in the hobby and i always have that in my game bag because there's always somebody that wants to borrow it i mean it it the table presence uh looks great mm -hmm. um it, it's fun that the the tiles i've actually had somebody say to me are these like are these tiles clay i'm like i i think they yeah. are clay like they, <laughs> they like they are not cheap plastic like this oh. is they were a nightmare on their I own. I know they're the bait of your existence because at the time I'm like, dude, don't worry about the grout. <laughs> oh, I was worried about the grout. I was worried about so many things. 
But that's another thing. And again, the Kickstarter backers were amazing because that like I, those blocks were three years in the making to get yeah. to get them right. Yeah. Um, and each time there was a delay for, for like the weight was wrong, the friction was wrong, the consistency was wrong, the paint adhesion was wrong, whatever it was. Like these had this type of clay had never been done proper this yeah. way before. So just over and over, every time I had to write a Kickstarter update, just being like, guys, I'm sorry. And every time my, like that little devil at the back of my brain, be like, you've waited too long. Just, it's fine. Let it go. And I'd push back and be like, no, like we've waited this long. We have to keep, and I'd send the email out and like the update, just waiting for this like wrath. And it never came. Everyone's always like, thank you so much. We appreciate you keeping us updated. That's yeah. great. We're happy to wait. Like, it was always met with love. And so that's yeah, a good I got, point. I, I had no that grief. on it on uh, one of the games, uh, same thing I had sent out. I said, guys, I, I just got samples uh, from the manufacturer. They, they do not pass what I would deem acceptable in terms of quality. I'm so sorry, but this is going to delay things by like three weeks. Um, but we got to get it right. And literally everyone's like, thank you. Thank yeah, you for exactly. not just putting crap in a box, but you know, yeah. trying to get something that, uh, that and explaining you know, it, explaining them yeah. what happened, why there's a delay and that it will be for, for, for good. And like, that's all they want. And just keep them informed. Yeah. Is there going to be a set? Like, are you going to do another, like, is, I, I gotta believe you're going to do another Kickstarter on that one, like a second edition or no. Oh, a block and key. Interesting. Yeah. So, very likely um but it's also might be the start of a world on its own that i'll just tease that for now interesting i think there might be more yeah that series. that for sure i could see uh, like a like a reprint right like it's oh for sure yeah, no, it, it, it seems it seems obvious yeah. <laughs> just yeah. from the reaction of people when i play this game so so that's that one now on earth uh, you're talking about tts scripting so just for the audience members who don't know what we're talking about uh tabletop simulator is a is a digital format much like uh you know board game arena table Topia, we can go and do a digital version of a, of a board game. You can play it almost like you're sitting around a table. However, some of the constraints with that system is that you're having to physically pick up cards and like deal them one at a time yourself. And so doing things as simple as board game setup uh, can be quite onerous and be a barrier to people wanting to play, right? Because if you're going to spend 30 minutes trying to set up the game in a digital environment, that really sucks. You kind of just want to get yeah. and start playing. So TTS scripting is usually you'll find there's experts out there that do that. You hire them, they'll go in and they'll script these things. So you literally hit a button. Everything will basically deal out and set up the table for you based on your player account. And then you can get going and start playing. And then other things like a button might uh, help, you know, deal off a certain number of cards like into the market and things like that. So just for people that don't understand what that is. Um, so Earth, so you've, you, that was a now got you to go on your own, right? So you yeah. block and key, glimmer of hope. So I was, I was on my, so the, yeah. I was on my own, um, for a while now like i've been this has been my full-time job probably for i'm gonna say at least four years yeah um, but again like it was that new business thing of like i would just put all the money back in the company and yeah. there were a couple of years in there where i literally paid myself zero dollars like i made no yeah. money in a year and luckily i live in canada um and luckily <laughs> i live uh, in a very inexpensive town and yeah. my previous job had paid up for a lot of the like, you know, for my, our vehicles, for our home, for stuff like that. So we didn't have a lot of ongoing expenses or I, there's no way Infinite Games would have survived. If I was in a, even a different Canadian city with a, with a you know, higher rent or mortgage rate, I, I would yeah, Not I like Vancouver or something, right? Oh God, or, yeah, in <laughs> Toronto, no thanks. So yeah, so I was on my own, but it was it was getting dark. It was getting rough in the middle. The, yeah. the company was still doing good. The company had money, but just as a, from a personal side of just like working as hard as I work and trying to stay as positive and like, offer good deals and people all people complain about stuff all the time right but anyways always trying my best and just feeling like i wasn't making headway yeah um so it did get dark and then uh 
brightened up a little with block and key. And then, yeah, the sun certainly came out with earth. That's for sure. Certainly. I think that the, the difference between those two is one is, uh, gives hope, right? Mm -hmm. I think the other one gives resources, right? And, and so you're hundred percent true. hundred yeah. percent accurate because for me before I, and until early this year, it was basically like me working out of my home in an office that was literally, what is it? Three feet wide or sorry, yeah. deep and 10 feet wide. So like, it's me, my desk, and I'm up against. So like, look at the old videos. Like, right last time I was on your show, maybe yeah. I was probably still in that office, right? Where you can see yeah. the walls are right behind me. I'm in a different room now, but whatever. Um, so like, it was it was just me. That is it. Like low overhead, just like keep it in the business. But now it's like okay, I have you know at that point with both block and key, we have ten titles in in inside of games catalog. Plus, I have four more signed games uh, of outside designers. Plus, I have three more of my own designs. So there's just like there's too much going on. I brought on my first employee last year, Chris. I'm going to mess up dates for sure. Um, so for a while, I was paying him and I wasn't paying myself just to, to yeah. keep stuff going. Then I brought in two more employees, um, Jenna and Caitlin, earlier this year in February. Um, then um, once Earth went well, and I kind of like that we have, there's just so much work to manage everything about Earth and our existing catalog, and then also setting us up for their future games coming out. That they were just like, I just had too much on my plate. So I, I have a local office now. I have two local employees as well. So there's three of us here locally full time. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been a change. But again, like it, it's weird because before I didn't have almost any overhead and very few stresses. And I was just stressed about feeding my family. Where now yeah. I'm stressed about making sure that I have enough work to feed the families of the employees that I've now hired. So the stress has just kind of changed. But, I, <laughs> but I'm still very grateful. I love the office. It's super close to the house. So I walk my kids to school every day and I walk to the office afterwards. They come by, they do their homework in the boardroom. Like it's, oh, it's yeah, cool. It's really nice. It allows you to scale too, right? Because when you're on your own, there's only so much you can do. Like your time is, is finite, right? And again, like, that, that old saying, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none was yeah. true. Like I've, I've, I've self-taught for most things. I have a lot of skills that I was able to carry over from different jobs. When I worked in film, when I worked as a project manager of construction, all these different things helped me very much with the job I'm doing, but I was also scratching the surface. So like, here's a fire, put it out, get this ready, get that ready. And oh, another fire, put that out. Whereas now I have different, you know, columns of or silos of tasks. So for example, Hudson, who's doing all of our, my, basically the CFO duties, like he's doing all the A&R, he's doing all, like everything I need for invoicing for uh, um, forecasting. He, so I don't even have to think about it, but it also means he's now been able to like delve deeper into it. And he's now looking at, you know, government grants because we're, again, Northern Ontario. So there's, there's, there's assistance because of the small town that we're in and because we're trying to bring more business to the town. So like he's been able to go in down these avenues that I haven't been able to do. Uh, or Carter, my other local employee, he's able to just like, he's got this beautiful mind brain where he just sees the numbers. Like he yeah. sees a game purely from the number side, whereas I'm all about like feeling gut. Uh, and pure enjoyment well, he'll look at it and he'll find like feedback loops that are broken and he'll just he's there to rip things apart so like now i'm also more confident that like our rule books are tighter the games are going to be better tested like everything about everything about the company is going to be better which is a really nice feeling and it's like it's one of the things that you you literally just can't, you can't do it on your own no that's awesome and you've done both game found and kickstarter now too right you've you've been in that's both right. those worlds so we've done roughly yeah. nine kickstarters and one game found and can you give us kind of a snippet as to the difference between those two and what was your experience with one versus the other boiled down very simply uh kickstarter was was like the known evil like you know the limitations of kickstarter 
Um, and but I'm I was and I continue to be very comfortable in that sandbox. I know the little you know intricacies and the issues and the, and I know how to work within that. Uh, and I'm also very appreciative because it, it's a hundred percent because of Kickstarter where I am and what I'm able to do today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I I'm I'm happy with Kickstarter. The one issue that we had was um, going back a little ways. I didn't have a great a point of contact at Kickstarter. Mm. Um, so all any inquiries and issues I had, it was never much of a priority. Um, luckily, I in the, within this past year, I I I'm, have an, an, a really good point of contact, John, over at Kickstarter, and he's fantastic. He's he comes from a small publishing background as well, very personal guy. He literally. He, he himself helped us unload stock at Gen Con when it would arrive late. Like he just happened to be walking by the booth and he saw me heading out. So he came and literally moved boxes with me. Like he's, oh, he's wow. just like a really nice, a nice guy. Yeah. And that's been really, really helpful. But the issue that I had at the time was the previous person who doesn't need to be named at Kickstarter, they weren't super clear in the communication and they never wrote any more words in a sentence than they needed to. So I kept having to like get clarification, like, okay, Grant, you've said this, but like you've left all of this unsaid. And I'm really yeah. trying to find out, like, I'm a game designer, tell me the dang rules and I'll play within them, but I need to yeah. know what those rules are. So there was an issue of how many live Kickstarters a, a, a creator can have, right? And there's a whole bunch of backstory to like, what, how many have you done? How many have you failed? What's your, what's your status? What's your record? Is there, there a number? Or is it just, is it, is the no, answer, it number. depends. Sorry, that's true. It, it's, it depends on all of these things. So basically like, they figured out like, when you're just starting out, they really want to make sure that like new people have like fulfilled their first campaign before yeah. launching their second, like, obvious stuff that's to protect their backers. But then as you grow, like, okay, these people have repeatedly made their games and fulfilled them on time sometimes early sometimes a few months lately that's not the that timing isn't a big deal but they're constantly going they're issuing refunds when they're being asked there's a bunch of stuff and I, sorry i don't i don't have this checklist they didn't send me a thing that says like these yeah. are why you qualify or don't but this is stuff that was verbally um you know told to me about stuff that you know it's again it's, it's it was, there's a whole term for it. it's kickstarters like um security and something else like making sure that it's just safe for backers safe for sure creators. yeah the, so, i mean if people fail a campaign and they don't like i've got I think at least six games I've backed mm -hmm. that are more than a year late and yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get them. Right. So yeah. I, I get that because I can sour people on the platform. For sure. Um, so did they, did they give you a number? <laughs> so, so yeah, they did. So for, for speaking for inside everyone's personally, I hope I don't get in trouble saying this, but we're still, everybody is only allowed one live. At a time. never have more than one live being currently. Is there a cap funding. per year though, or no? Yeah. So for me, it's capped at four. So, so, I need, are, I, so when they say live, it's basically if you pick a 30 day campaign after 30 days uh, concludes, then you could potentially get into another campaign. Yeah. Potentially, but they still, like each time you launch, it's still like I still have to go through the same verification yeah. checks. They still have to submit everything online. There's still like a delay. And there's been more delays. When I first started and I had all my stuff ready to go, the submission and approval process is always very quick for me, luckily. But in the last couple of years, it actually takes, it's been taking longer and longer, which yeah. is fine because they probably also have more projects than ever that they have to check. Um, but yeah, so basically, and for us speaking personally, like there's always going to be at least two to three months in between our launches anyways. One yeah. for sanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nuts. It's nuts. Uh, but also just for timing, like that we're actually, we, we take this platform very seriously. Um, as it's how it's our main, it's one of our main funding sources and our main marketing sources. Uh, and we, again, we always want to try to be honest, open and transparent. So yeah. we don't want to be, like, look like we're playing the cup games with backers or their money or anything like that. Yeah. We want to keep it very clear. 
So we've been told for that's one live and three like in manufacturing slash fulfillment. Um, but we hope we're hoping to get to that point because that's also a ton. Like it's more of a we probably we're aiming to do probably two to three per year. But even currently last year, I was um, trying to do um, Earth, Draft Right Records and Terminus. But then because Trey Parker named Summit his number one game of all time, it meant that Summit sold out for us. So then we're like, oh, crap. The Summit expansion, that was the Sanity expansion okay. that we did on GameFound yes. this year, which slated for next year. But now we're like, okay, now bring that pot forward. It's now on the front burner. Let's finish this out. Let's get that going. But because of the timings and everything, we couldn't get it onto uh, Kickstarter. So at that point, okay, let's try GameFound. And unfortunately, for some miscommunications with my lovely backer kit representatives, I'm like, you know who I'm talking to. Um, <laughs> the backer kit crowdfunding wasn't mentioned at the time. So my option yeah. is either Kickstarter or GameFound. Um, yeah, no offense to any other platforms out there, but those are my, my obvious options. Sure. Uh, I, had a, I had a really, really good project manager on GameFound, uh, Luke uh, Pryor. He, he, was, he was by far the best part of my GameFound experience. Just one heck of a nice guy, uh, super communicative really open, honest, very helpful. He was, he, my first meeting with him at GameFound was better than four years of no meetings with Kickstarter people. Wow. Luckily, like I said, John has since, since come in and John's a really great point of contact with me. Yeah. Uh, Luke was by far my best point of contact at, at GameFound. He was he was fantastic. Um, that said, one of the hardest things for me was was twofold. And, and then they also like, they, they smash into each other was yeah. that I didn't know the system very well. Uh, but also I now had a team and I'm trying to get those silos of tasks to different team members. So one of uh, Jenna, who's been amazing, one of her things has also been taking over kind of the day-to-day man -day management of Kickstarters yeah. uh, for us. So it was kind of, not only was I not well-versed in the platform, but I'm also have someone new, like basically managing it for the company. So I could be focusing on localization partners and such and things like that. Um, so unfortunately speaking personally, it wasn't a great experience for me. There was just too many, I, I didn't know enough. There were too many hurdles, too many small things. There's a lot of really good ideas in the platform that consider yeah. could learn from. Uh, but some of them on game found personally, I don't think are the, the way it was finally done and presented isn't quite as good as it could be where so every you'll hear historic creators talk about the annoyance of creating the, the project story or the campaign page right they call it your story and you have to recreate it all again yeah you have to put all these little things and there's always a stupid space that is in there so you can't have like flowing art and if you do make flowing art it has to be done with white flowing art because it's the only way to hide those white spaces that like there's little like right things like yeah that. so game found has its own thing where you can like individually do it one of the things they do really well is they, they break it into individually linked with like chapters yeah, that are that you can share. So I could directly share you my shipping page. I could directly share like that. All that little like breakdown is super super helpful from the visual side point. But on the back end, updating it and creating it, where it's like you scroll through, and then within the scroll, there's another sub box that you could scroll within, and then getting the it to drop the video in the top instead of the middle of the box. Like there's just little like maintenance yeah. things that end up being kind of frustrating. Um, so yeah. So that said, I know other people who have loved it. Also for us. Um, Summit Sanity did well on GameFound uh, to be totally transparent, not as well as I'd kind of hoped it was going to do. And it yeah. still did very well. I am in no way complaining. I was just really hoping to continue off of the hype train um, of what uh, what Trey Parker's um, stuff did. And it did, it for sure helped us. But I had uh, Summit, uh, Yeti and Teams, Kickstarter supporters 
over on Kickstarter, and I'm not sure how many we were able to pull over onto GameFound. So would it have been better? On I don't know how many how much crossover there is. I mean, I had right? a uh, planting evidence we launched on on GameFound and um, end up pulling it uh, after like three days because our <laughs> like our subs went to zero, right? And, and the thing is that it, I think it's also the type of game. Like, I don't think you're like if, if yeah, if it was a casual game. A whole bunch of minis in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a casual game. It's a wrong platform any like in terms of the eco ecosystem there. But when I went to move those backers over to Kickstarter, there's only a handful that that actually transitioned over, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, the kind of the Venn diagram of those two is, you know, there's like a sliver where those I think those things cross over. And that's when you get into, like you said, heavier games with minis and you know, RPGs mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but I still think Kickstarter is probably the king of the castle in terms of um the audience right like it has a built-in audience it's just absolutely massive yeah. where people that are using it they know how to use it and um you know the the idea of going to another platform might be too foreign for them today maybe not in mm -hmm. the future um where um you really have to make you think is this the right game for this platform or not i echo your sentiment there's a lot of cool features in there there's a lot of quirks too that i didn't like but there's a lot of cool features that's not yeah. in kickstarter right? it's almost like you want both platforms to kind of merge right learn <laughs> from each the other. best of both right yeah yeah that's for sure that's for sure that's the case and the other thing is for for inside of games in particular like we're trying to have very much like a uh not necessarily just a family but a family plus feeling of our games right where like they are accessible they are open they are more for the wider audience even for draft rate records which i'm is doing better after the kickstarter than it did on kickstarter which is great wow. but it's like it's getting more love now um and maybe that's also because of it only did okay on kickstarter where the game play it's and supposedly it's theme supposedly music games from what we've seen and been told that they don't do well yeah the gameplay itself is phenomenal like it's such a great game and again i think once we get it out into people's hands it's going to do a lot better for us but it's still like i say it's weird that's doing better after the campaign than during the campaign but with kickstarter my hope at the time had been like okay there's still that wider audience maybe we could get some music lovers in there to back the game maybe we can get right people um, movie lovers people from different genres there's more chance of someone you know walking down the hallway and stumbling across your room on kickstarter coming from some other background than there is on GameFound. yeah your organic search definitely seems much higher on mm -hmm. uh, on Kickstarter than than there was on GameFound, so we'll be watching them. We'll see how they evolve. Yeah. Um, when you look back at 2022, other than being extremely grateful, which I think we all are, and uh, you know it, it's it's been a tough year for a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. so you have to celebrate those wins. But looking at this industry as a whole, as it's now coming out of COVID, um, and I think a lot of things changed during COVID, right? Where things typically it was a disruptor, right? Anytime something mm -hmm. major happens, uh, any major event, it, it's a disruptor and, and forces change. Is there any changes that you're seeing in the industry that, um, that you, you want to comment on or, or what do you see, or what are some of the changes you do see in the industry? I guess I would say that coming out of COVID uh, versus uh, pre-COVID when you started. I guess that the most obvious one would be like the, the slow and growth. Like, Pre-COVID, the growth numbers were just insane. Like every year we were producing more board games and more expansions than mm. before. Like it was insane where we've come in the last 20, 30 years. Um, and actually I just shared a, a graph recently and it shows the drop because of COVID and how like the, the drop of new games and expansions coming out. 
um, because of the, the economy, because of COVID, because of the cost of goods, because of the cost of freight that went up through the roof, yeah. because of the economy tightening up, because of interest rates, for all these reasons, just as everyone's kind of like, like slow, slow down a little bit. So that's the probably been one of the most obvious ones. Speaking on a personal level, one of the things that's kind of a surprise to me as well within the last, so we the first conference Insider Games went back to or convention would have been PAX last year. So PAX 2021, I can't remember yeah. what year it is anymore. So we've been back for about a year of conventions. Um, and it's been interesting to see some of the small, mid-sized companies that are, just aren't there anymore um, or have since folded. Um, mm. But speaking personally, also the, the amount of people that kind of come to me to talk to, for advice, for assistance, whereas I still think of myself as relatively small in the, in the overall scheme of yeah. things. Um, but also people are like, oh, we've actually been around, you know, six, seven years now. So we've been around a while. So like we're more of a, a, a more well-known face and brand than I thought we were. Um, what's your thoughts on um, AI? Uh, I mean, <laughs> everywhere I look now, whether you're on TikTok or whether you're, uh, you're you listen to forums or even uh, on Facebook, there's different camps on the use of AI and, and you as a publisher, do you see it fitting in anywhere in your model going forward? I do. Um, and I know we're both going to get hate mail for <laughs> even, no matter what camp we get in, you set us up for failure. Thanks, you know, I'm having, I'm having video issues. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but, but again, and it's like, I understand. So uh, it drives my wife crazy. If she could hear this, she'd be laughing her butt off. Yeah. But like, I always love, I love arguing. And I love arguing both sides. Like I, I love yeah. a good discussion. So I, I usually like taking the, the side of that, the, the side that's either underrepresented or like misunderstood or like not the popular one, just to to, look to, to challenge people. Um, yeah. But that being said, um, the AI art is insane. It is impressive. Yes, I understand how it works. Yes, I understand the problems in it. The one thing that I find very interesting and in speaking again, personally for the company is about, what would it be now? almost a year ago um so I, I as a publisher and um an art director i'm often looking through different forums for art um, i get a ton of artists submitting the portfolios all the time but i also reach out to random people quite often online just be like yeah. holy crap i love this art style if you're ever interested in doing a board game please reach out um, and sometimes i get no response sometimes i've got response from people that are like insanely like well-renowned uh, and then I'm just like, well, I can't even come close to affording part of what you would cost. Yeah. Um, but I also, I reached out to this uh, young lady um, who's did beautiful, beautiful work on Instagram. And I reached out and she was very transparent that she did. Um, she does a lot of her work um, using AIs. I can't remember which of the platforms she uses, but she like, she shares that and she tags it when she does it. Um, but it's really beautiful work. And the thing that I found interesting is... I don't know which sources she pulled from or which keywords she used or how she did it, but she did show me the, the steps in the process and she shows me kind of how she does it, yeah. what, how it works, what it pulls, and then the work she does in Photoshop to then make these pieces of art, real pieces of art, instead of just a jumble that these things had done. And again, yeah. things go really, really fast, but it was a year ago or so. Um, and yes, there's been leaps and bounds and I'm sure everyone's familiar with the, the Facebook filters that everybody's using now for AI Im images of themselves that everybody has. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't that simple. Like she's still creating her own art built off of other things. I do understand that. 
Um, but then she'd also like the the obvious flaws. You'd see something and like half the head would be missing, or there'd be like an arm that just was like at a super strange angle. Uh, and, and then she fingers, would go through, yeah. And, and and yeah, exactly. And then she'd fix something. So it was beautiful. But it was a style of of some of her posts that I'm like, this is I really think these are beautiful. But this is what she's made, and she's made this from these amazing artists. She's created her own piece of art. Yeah. I want her to make my art in this vein. So the, the argument that I have is none of these people that she's borrowed have, have made this art style. And I can say that pretty confidently because the theme I have for this game doesn't make a lot of sense nor exists. And yeah. all of these well-known people that, that she's borrowing from would have drawn the stuff I'm asking for. So what I'm asking for is she took A through Z to get to number one of her. Now I want her to build right these sets off of what she has. So again, she's not pulling from here. So... And that's my issue of, I find it sad for all the negativity. Um, I do, and again, I've hi, I have hired her to do a job. So I'm paying her as a creative. Mm. I'm, ask, I'm not asking for any rate discounts. I'm not asking her for, I'm not saying, hey, copy this well-known person and yeah. give me their art for cheaper. No, I'm saying, I like what you've done. I want your art. What is your price for your art? Okay, I'll pay you that price for your art. Right, so... I, I, I find it a bit hard because of a lot of the frustration and naysayers towards AI would very simply say that like, she's not an artist. She's not creative. And yeah. I've, and maybe it's because there's a little bit of me, like as a creative, as a game designer, I have to admit to being a creative person. I come up with board game ideas. I make them, I turn them into things. I do art direction on board games, but I'm not artistic. If you saw me draw, it would terrify you. I've always yeah. wanted to be able to draw and I can't. So maybe that's a little bit of me, like, projecting onto her that 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 negativity that you know that that i feel or whatever it is but i think it's kind of crappy that and so to be transparent i've actually she's completed the job and i've paid her for the job mm. but that project's on hold because i'm like there is so much vitriol and so much like anger yeah. in this and she's aware of it she's like yeah and she's like honestly like i'm I, I, i'm not surprised at this that, that we've had to do this and it sucks it's like this is the first time she's done it. She's only ever done it for herself, for her friends, making D&D &D characters for her friends in the past. Yeah. And now, like, this is something that she could have been excited about. She could be like, you know, like, there's a paid gig. Like, she's, like I say, she's a wonderful young lady, a stay-at-home mom of two kids. And, like, there's something she's able to do while also taking care of her kids. And now she's devalued because she wasn't taught traditionally in a school and didn't have to, years to develop her own method. So, and I'm and I'm not in any way saying that these traditional artists shouldn't be valued, right? I'm not I'm yeah. not asking her to rip off someone's style. I'm asking her to play within the own style that she's developed using these tools. And here's my honest. Sorry, I was going to say you could tell I am I do have very passionate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's frustrating to me because like, and it's true of so many different avenues that humans have done and different creatives are used. Even if you have think of the illustrators who just work digitally nowadays. Yeah. And how easy, how much easier, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying how much easier it would be for them to erase or recolor something than it would for someone working in paints, right? That's just, it's how things change. And I think what we'll see is we'll see a new uh, subset of skills reading directly towards that AI and how yeah. people use it. I'm going to mess up all the famous people who did it, but think, you know, the, the Campbell soup, I can't remember who's the artist who did the Campbell soup prints. Oh, what's his name? See, um... I know exactly. Anyways. Right. No one Warhol, said, hey, yeah. yeah, no one threw send him hate mail for saying you're ripping off Campbell's. He yeah. took something from society and turned it into something else, similar to what these people are doing. Right. So I think it's just a matter of time where this comes more commonplace. And our, our artists and illustrators will then learn to play in it as well. 
right? There, there might be a mesh of like original art drawn in front of AI backgrounds that are generated. There's, there's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a new sandbox that can be played in. Um, and it might make some people, put some people out of work. It might either give, give some people work. Like I just think, I think people just need to be kind. I don't understand why people need to be so angry at people all the time. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Mm -hmm. like, it's not going back in. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I've, and I get into this debate almost weekly with people at my game night and, and, and other colleagues online. No, I don't type online, but just chatting. I'm chatting with people, yeah. right? I, I mean, I avoid writing anything down. <laughs> I know better than that because then you just get a tsunami of, uh, of, of people responding. But I look at it like, um, when, when you look at the digital example you gave, if I go back, you know, 20 years ago before digital art became a thing, I think that was an inflection point when people at that time were saying, that's not real art. You're not using a brush. You're not using paint. You're not, you know, that, that, that you're using a computer to help you. Mm -hmm. If I look in um, my business, when I've done uh, certain creative work, um, you know, on the, on the marketing side and I'm hiring a graphic designer, what's the graphic designer doing? They're going on to Shutterstock right? They're mm -hmm. getting assets from Shutterstock, whether it be iconography, maybe they go on the flaticon.com, grab some icons, they'll go grab images from Shutterstock, and then they will do a composition using those elements to create something new. Mm -hmm. And I see AI as, quite frankly, a shorthand version of doing that. It is a tool that's allowing that process to speed up. Just like, you know, using Microsoft uh, Illustrator or Photoshop today is way faster than it was 10 years ago as a technology improves, it is going to give people the ability to, to output more in a shorter period of time. If I look I at board I, games, for sure. give the example think, of board games. You and I are both, both board game designers, but I can promise you every one of your games has a mechanic that you didn't invent, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? That's come from another game somewhere else. Does that make you a fraud? Does that make you mm -hmm. a ripoff artist? No, you've taken something else. You recombine it with this thing over here. You've added some new ideas and you combine, combine it to something new with a different theme. Um, so that's how I kind of approach it. And I think a lot of people are getting caught up in the word art. And so what I try to say is instead of referring to AI as art, I refer to it as graphic design, right? So computer-assisted graphic design. And when, I, when you look at it from that vein, where I'm not trying to say this is art, because that's where people get really upset and start saying, well, that, you know, is it art or is it not? And there's been tons of videos, you know, as of late where people are having debates is something art or not, is a graphic design. And I think most people can say, well, yeah, that that is graphic design. And I've used it myself in a, in a couple of areas. One is when we were doing cities of Venus, I had a vision for how I wanted this, this city to flow in the clouds. Mm -hmm. And like you, I can't draw. So I, at the time I was using, I think it was Wombly, the Wombly app. And I kept, you know, doing iterations. So I got something that was kind of what I was trying to visualize. Mm -hmm. Put into Photoshop, because I happen to be very good at Photoshop manipulated Photoshop. Then I sent that to the artist and said, this is an idea of what I'm trying to create. This is a mock-up for you. Now go create something in your style that, that matches this. Yeah. And I think that's a good vein that's going to work too. Yeah. Yeah. So as a shorthand, I think for people doing mock-ups to help mm -hmm. uh, somebody else as a shorthand between individuals saying, this is, what I'm this is where I'm trying to go. I think, I think it helps there. Another area we needed is we had to do, um, we're doing prototypes for, again, Cities of Venus. We added two cards. It's a two-month process for me to get two new pieces of art for those two cards. What did we do? We took the body of artwork that we had, put it into the AI mid-journey, right? And said, crank out the two cards that do this, these two things using this style. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mid journey, crank those two cards out again into Photoshop. Cause there's a lot of work in Photoshop to then make it kind of work yeah. and fit what we're trying to do, but still some mock-up is there as a placeholder until, uh, because I need these, we were out of time. We had to get the prototypes done. Now I've got the time to go to the artist and say, Hey, I created these two cards. This is kind of what we're looking for. Can you redo these in your design? So when we have the final game, it'll be, it'll be in that person's design. So, you mm-hmm. know, again, a shorthand on the flip side, uh, uh, and I want to take this now to the other side of the extreme. I think it's now a tool where people who would never ever get into game design or would never have the resources to reach out to artists or the funds can now on a very small scale, create something that looks good enough. You can put on a table and play with people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good thing because it's going to allow more people to get into board game design. Mm -hmm. We've got a game that uh, we're working on. It's probably going to come out sometime next year, straight to retail. We're not going to do Kickstarter. It's a small game. There is no budget for that game at all, but it was a cool design. Uh, I was working with a colleague of mine uh, who created the game. And I said, look, I'd love to help publish this for you, but we don't have a lot of budget to put behind this. This isn't, it's a, it's a quick filler game. There's no way we can justify the price point, put this on Kickstarter. This thing is going to be cheap and dirty, man. We're going to have to do it as cheap as we can. So we did uh, a combination of graphic design for box art, like the outside box artwork, but the cards on the inside, all AI generated. Right. And wow. we use mid journey. Yep. So we're going to see what kind of vitriol is going to come out of that. So at yeah. least I'm going to take, I'm going to put it out there. Of course, we're going to credit. We're going to say, you know, graphic design with the assistance of, uh, we're never going to say art. We're going to say graphic design <laughs> with the assistance of mid journey. Um, there was like, I would say a good hundred hours that still went into getting those images ready for, um, mm-hmm. To, to to be usable right so everything from the prompts there is i think 270 prompts that went in to create the artwork uh, through mid journey so you gotta think how many days is involved in that then you've got characters coming with like as i said you know extra limbs you know 12 fingers things like that so a lot of photoshop work to correct things because you can get some really yeah. scary things out of the ai but we've got it to a point where it looks good on a table and, yeah. uh, and, and it's, it's not going to be an expensive game, but it's something we're going to put it there for people to enjoy. And we're going to do that next year. And then yes, wow. we'll let the hate flow in and see where it lands. Um, but I think you got to try, right. And, and, yeah. and see where these tools may work and where they may not. Um, this is one I think, again, I think it's playing with fire doing something like that on Kickstarter probably um, for now. But again, mm-hmm. as you said, with with your artist that that attitude could change six nine months from now right mm-hmm. like the ai is getting so good that we're gonna get to a point where even people that do the videos for kickstarter that that job's gonna be eliminated like ai is the the next generation of ai is the prompts Crazy. can generate video for you <laughs> right that's insane so you gotta think and like facebook was doing this and they're showing like they said you know show me a, a unicorn running on a beach with you know a beach ball in the foreground you know, the thing's running for about uh, 50 seconds. Next thing you know, you've literally got a video of a unicorn running on a beach with a beach ball in the in the foreground. Like, that's how fast this technology is moving. And I we can't stop it, right? So then if you can't stop something, we're the opportunity is to say, okay, well, we're ways that we can to use this tool in a way that A, is honest, right? So being mm-hmm. up front with people saying, this is what we did. We're not trying to pass it off for something that's not. And two, um, you know, I think, um, you know, opening up the conversation, letting people be involved with it. But I, I think on your camp is, I don't think it's constructive, 
right? For people just to start slinging mud back and forth. And like, I think the discussion is, is it art or not? That, that discussion's already passed. Now it's discussion is how can we utilize this in a tool that's as in a way that is respectful for the industry and can help lift everybody up. As long as no one names it Skynet, we should be fine. Right? <laughs> Touche. All right. So one last thing I want to catch is Terminus. Uh, it's a game you got coming up. Can yeah. you tease us at all? Like you, you dropped the name. I've got the on the thumbnail. It looks yeah. super cool, but I know nothing about the game. So tell me about so, this yeah. game. So this is uh, by Tom and Earl. They're uh, from Southern Ontario. They, this is pitched to me during one of these, oh, I can't remember which one it was now, but during like a pitch event where a bunch of publishing um, companies went in there and just had like these, these groups out of these designers for like five minutes. So like, boom, 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 pitch, 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 pitch. Um, and it had enough to, ho to hook my interest back then. So we set up some online tests and uh, they did a really good job of, of, of doing their own TTS mod of it. So we played it. And it's, it is by far the heaviest game instead of games has ever done. Okay. It is, yeah, it is the thickest. It is a, a Euro with a rondelle and it's all about, um, planning the building of your subway lines so you're creating your subway lines in a city and you're going around the, the rondelle getting the resources you need and planning your actions and you know buying your development and stuff like that uh and it's it's really really good i mean it's 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 one step above where we normally like i say we normally in that kind of sit in that family plus range yeah. of games this is that little bit harder it's a little bit more for the for the more fine-tuned euro gamer but it's good. It's really good. It's um, it's one of those games where you're as you're playing it, you're you're just trying to like look and plan and calculate stuff. And I get maybe it was from the the planner in me, the construction yeah. in me that like see stuff. Where I think I need to make sure that if I can get, like I need to make sure I have my you know my engineering plans and stuff. But I have that I have construction. I want to have enough rails. If I have enough rails, get like you're and then you do something. You then you're usually spending more time cursing yourself or like not planning properly or missing an opportunity than you are for like at somebody else because you know subway lines can still you know, intersect you're still it's it's still a competitive game but it's more often like me like misplanning or mis mismanaging or uh or anything like that there's, there's not luck in it there's you know there's variable markets as people are buying resources the costs go up as they be sold back in the market costs come down it's a whole bunch of really fun mechanics in there uh but they mix it actually the game the game was so tight when they when they had designed it they've spent years on it uh, that we actually spent probably the last year and a half through development, like softening it a little bit, because oh, so many really? times wow. in the game you'd you'd be short one dollar, like ah, if I only had that one dollar, <laughs> and this was like just to make it a little bit, a little, little bit less punishing for players, especially new players. Uh, it's it's really good, and we're, we'll have a scripted TTS mod for people to play as well. It's uh, yeah, it's good. So then that should be hitting Kickstarter. I think in the March plan is March. Oh, so this will be the next big one you guys do? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And can people play it? Like if somebody wants to play it right now, can they, can they do the TTS version of it? Or? They probably could uh, by reaching out directly to, to uh, Tom and Earl. Well, reach out to us at Inside Up Games and we'll, we'll set them up. Um, so Tom and Earl have theirs with their existing prototype artwork that they mm. created. Um, uh, very beautiful and simple, simply beautiful graphic design for it, which is nice and nothing to do with AI, just graphic, just a really nice graphic <laughs> design. Um, but Edu Valls, who's actually the same artist who did uh, Block and Key for us, has then a similar yet completely different art styling uh, for Terminus. Um, so it's going to look quite different from people who are used to seeing Euros. So it can go one of two ways. We'll see. But I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's amazing. Well, Connor, I want to wish you all the best on that campaign. I can't wait to see it. Uh, and it, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you as well. This is now Jeez, going to well. 2023. I think it's going to be an exciting year for everyone. And to yeah. everyone that's listening, I want to wish you a very, very warm uh, Happy New Year. 
and we'll talk to everybody in the new year. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.